Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. All right, welcome back to Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. Mariners pod, great to be here. Mariners back home after a long, long road trip. Uh, featured the last two games against the Dodgers, three against the Astros before that, and three against the Texas Rangers. Pretty strange trip when you look at it in total. Mariners won the first game of the trip 10-2 to and then dropped the next seven. You look at the scores, 4-2, to 7-4, 11-1, which is the outlier. Then their last four games, a 2-1 to loss, a 3-2 to loss, 11-9 loss, and 2-1 to loss. So every game, with the exception of the one against the Astros, extremely close, but every game... Mariners end up on the wrong end. We're going to talk about the two games in L.A., a couple of really good ball games in very different ways, opposite games completely, so we'll talk about that. Also coming up in a few, uh, a chance. Aaron and I had a chance to catch up with Pete Woodworth, uh, Mariners pitching coach, who you may not have heard a lot from uh, in his first year, and it's really great. It's a long conversation with Pete Woodworth, and uh get to know him a little bit. That's a really fun conversation. I think you'll enjoy that. So that will come up in a few minutes. First, let's dive into these Dodgers games. Mariners take on the Dodgers again coming up tonight and then on Thursday. So we'll talk again on Friday after these two Dodger games and then get you ready for three games against the Texas Rangers at home. And then the Mariners will be in San Diego to take on Tatis and the Padres, which should be pretty cool. And if you could believe it, at that point, we're heading towards the end of August as we're getting close to the halfway point of this thing, which is hard to believe. Okay, so the Dodgers games. First one, highly entertaining for a number of reasons. One, I mean, Seager versus Seager, which was pretty amazing. First time the Seagers have been on the same field playing against one another. And what a show it was. Corey Seager going deep early in the ballgame, but not to be outdone was Kyle. Here's Kyle Seager swinging a drive. Center field going back. Bellinger on the track. Look it up. And there it goes. Home run for Kyle Seager. We got a 6-5 ball game. I think my favorite part is watching, was watching Corey Seager and Kyle Seager both round the bases and cross in front of their brother. And just the sly, slight grin they gave one another around the bases was pretty great. So that was a very cool moment. And what ended up being a wild game, Justin Dunn was 
Speaking of Corey Seager, hit by a line drive early in the ball game. So he, he only went a couple innings, gave up six runs. And the Mariners' offense really went to town. Kyle Seager, of course, big ball game. He had three hits, drove in a couple runs, a walk as well. He reached four times. Kyle Lewis had a big game as well. He bashed another homer, had three hits. And Evan White, a couple of long balls in the ball game. Here's the pitch, swung on, and a fly ball. Deep left field, going back is Pollock looking up, and Evan White does it again, way out of here to left field. Evan White, his first multi-home run game in his very young major league career, his second home run tonight against the Dodgers. So big day offensively, nine runs, 13 hits, but not enough. The Dodgers put five on the board against the Mariners in the seventh. They went 11-9. McGill, who hadn't given up a run before that, uh, coughed up five in two-thirds of an inning. So Dodgers win game one of the series. And then game two, completely the opposite. After all the fireworks the night before, Marco Gonzalez was outstanding. Here's the next offer on the way. A curveball swing and a miss for strike three. Hernandez strikes out. That is strikeout number nine for Marco Gonzalez, and that matches his career high, and that's the third time he's done it. The last time he did it, last year in April against the Texas Rangers. What a night for Marco Gonzalez. Nine strikeouts through five innings of play. I don't think you can ask much more than that. 102-degree heat against one of the best offenses not the best offense in the game. Marco goes seven, gives up one run, no walks, nine punch outs along the way. Just excellent, excellent outing for Marco Gonzalez. Here's what Marco said after the ball game. Marco, that's about as good a fix mix usage as you can have. Was that a matter of uh, everything was working, or you go in with the plan, or uh, why was everything? Why such a good mix today? Um, you know, honestly, I just. Went in, trusted my stuff, um, you know, going in confident and uh, just pounding the zone with every pitch I had and at the end of the day, just competing. So you seem to go to the curve a little more today. Was it particularly good? Yeah, I mean, I thought so. I thought it was in the zone and it was sharp. It was coming out of my hand well, so we went to it a lot. Marco, when uh, a team like this, they lead the league in homers and, you know, putting up a bunch of runs per game, but – some, some guys tend to pitch away from it or pitch timid. It seemed like you just attacked them anyways and challenged them. I mean, that's kind of your mindset anyways, but you can't deviate from that even regardless of who's in the box, can you? Yeah, Ryan, it, it doesn't matter, man. Um, you can put any lineup in there, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my plan A, pitch to my strengths. Um, you know, it took me a long time to learn that in this league to, you know, be on the attack and be aggressive, and, and that puts guys on their heels. And so – um, yeah, they got a good lineup, but I'm pretty good too. So um, I just want to see, find out what I had and go toe-to-toe with them. And I like how it came out. In the past, Marco, they're, they're, you know, a year ago or so, the team had a lot of errors and struggles today. You get the catch from Kyle. You get the, the double play from JP. The, the defense that you guys are starting to put out there and kind of the changes to the roster, I, I mean, it's got to be pretty exciting as a pitcher knowing you got some athletes out there to really – kind of track down balls and make plays. Yeah, I um, was really happy with the, the play that Taylor made tonight. Uh, that was unbelievable. And then the play that JP made, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, we got a lot of guys that are, that are putting in work. And uh, but to be honest, I mean, once the ball leaves my hand, you know, that's out of my control. That's, that's something that I can't, you know, bank on every time. I just got to make good pitches and, and uh, go for weak contact or swing and miss. So 
Um, but it's good to see the guys flash the leather behind me. That, that said, you, you, you can't control things. The, the little dribbler by Austin Barnes ends up being the one that kind of cost you. That's got to be frustrating, obviously. How close do you think you were to making that play? I mean, you got off the mound real quick and kind of tried to do the off-balance throw. I mean, uh, I know you, you, you pride yourself on, on fielding. How close did you think to making that play? Um, I mean, I could probably make that play eight times out of ten. Um, but I didn't get a good jump to it. So, um, you know, I, I don't think I would have got him with a good throw. Um, I just didn't get a good jump on it. Marco, we're watching that from, from Seattle, obviously. Uh, how, how hot was it out there, and uh, how, was, how were you feeling at the end? Um, it was warm, but, you know, I've been preparing the last three days for this heat. So, um, you know, it's nothing that I can make an excuse about. It's just hydrating early and, uh, you know, trying to stay cool in between innings. So I thought I managed it really well. So that was Marco. Uh, I want to let you know that the wheelhouse just came out this morning and Jerry DePoto gives an excellent Excellent in-depth dive at what makes Marco Gonzalez so effective. It is really, really good and well worth the listen. So the newest wheelhouse, uh, Jerry, really great on Marco. Also a nice breakdown on Sheffield as well. The Marco stuff is excellent. If you're wondering, you know, what makes him so effective in this age of velocity? You know, we always talk about velo, velo, velo. Marco's not that guy, but he has been... Uh, he's been so good, and it continues this year. Just so consistent, so very good. So check out the wheelhouse for that. So Mariners end up losing the ball game again. Uh, run off the bullpen late. Dodgers score. They break a one-one tie in the bottom of the eighth off of Alta Villa, and LA wins two to one. So the Dodgers take the first two games of this. I don't know. I guess you call it a four-game series since the teams will be back in Seattle. Tonight, and it's not going to get much easier for the Mariners, no doubt about that, as uh, Taiwan Walker will go tonight, 640 first pitch. Julio Urias will go for the Dodgers, very talented young lefty. And then on Thursday, 410 first pitch, Clayton Kershaw will take the ball for the Dodgers, and it looks like... You say Kikuchi is going to go on Thursday. That's the hope. It's officially TBA, but it sounds like Kikuchi is working his way to making that start. So that's what we're looking at the next couple of days in Seattle. Not going to be easy again. I mean, that lineup is just loaded. Bet Seeger, you know, Bellinger, the whole thing, which makes Marco start even more impressive. So that's what we're looking at the next couple of days, and we'll have a review of those two days coming up on Friday and a preview of Texas coming up on Friday. Right now, though, let's hear from the Mariners' new pitching coach, Pete Woodworth. Pete, it's great to visit with you for a little bit. We know that your time is uh, very precious in your role, the first-year Mariners pitching coach. First of all, Pete, man, this is a bizarre year for anybody, especially somebody who just had a baby and is in a new role in a high-pressure job for the first time. So, Pete, like, how's life treating you, man? How you doing? It's another sunny day here in Seattle. Um I, I got no complaints. The, the days are, are a little different than they, they've been in the past. Um, you can't just kind of show up at, at 6 a.m. and get to work. You could, we, have, uh, you know, we have our window of time that we can be there. So it's definitely forced us to become more efficient in, in the way we go about uh, having meetings and um, sitting down with players and 
preparing for games. Um, but everything else is, is very similar to, to how it's been in the past. Um, minus the, the new kid. <laughs> hey Pete, let's talk about your journey. It's been really incredible to see uh, how far you have come in a short period of time. First of all, uh, it wasn't that long ago. You were just a young man playing college baseball in the summertime. Uh, can you tell us about your relationship with Andy McKay, Mariners uh, farm director, and how that relationship has helped bring you to Seattle? Yeah, that doesn't seem too long ago, but uh, it, it was. That's over over 12 years ago. Um, 2008 and 2009, I played for Andy in the Northwoods Leagues in La Crosse, Wisconsin. Um, and it was the, the greatest two years of my playing career. Um, I learned more there uh, about, about pitching, about baseball, about myself, about the mental game. Um, and I learned most of that from Andy. Had a, had a lot of, of great teammates um, that I, I still keep in contact today that kind of you know started forming the way I played, the way I looked at the game. Um, and I, I kind of figured out that first summer that I wanted to, I wanted to coach when it was all said and done, um, seeing what Andy could, could do to players, um, how he can relate to players and, and motivate them and teach them without, you know, really having a, a classroom type setting, like learning on the field uh, was, was very inspiring. And that was, that was, yeah, the first taste of, okay, when, when my 15 year big league career is over, then I'll start <laughs> coaching. Um, so after my uh, three months of rookie ball is over, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. <laughs> How is it that you've approached coaching your rotation this year, Pete? Because it's, it's an eclectic rotation. First of all, it's, it's unconventional from the simple fact that it's a six man versus a five man. And then you look a little bit deeper than that. You've got, an established veteran, a 200 innings guy, an opening day starter, Marco Gonzalez. You got two guys coming off of Tommy John. You've got one guy who was learning the language, his second year in the country, and Yusei Kikuchi coming off a disappointing year number one in the majors. And then you got two puppies. You got two guys who the industry thinks a lot of and done in Sheffield, who, who you know very well from AA last year, who are just, they barely have their pinky toe in the water. How have you gone about looking at this whole picture and taking it one day at a time with this whole group of guys? I, that's that's exactly how we do it. Um, it is it is one bullpen at a time. It is one game at a time. It, it is a very eclectic group, and they they are coming from all different uh, experience levels, um, all different talent levels, all different parts of the world. Um, but it it did not take long for this group to get very close. Um, I've been around some some staffs that the the starting five are are a unit. And they have their own kind of uh, similar to like a really good bullpen. Like they have their own identity. Um, this this unit really got close during uh, during summer camp, spring training 2.0. Um, they they spend a lot of time together on and off the field. Um, there's not a whole lot we can do right now, but that group really stays together. So the camaraderie and the the trust and the the peer to peer, player to player coaching. Um, is really unique with that group, but they are completely different individuals. Everybody has their own plan for, for where they're at now and where they're heading. 
like I said, it's just bullpen to bullpen, start to start, staying as as focused as we can be. And what's the what's the task at hand right now? What does Taiwan need right now? What is what does Justin Dunn need right now? But what does Justin Dunn also need for 2022? Um, you know, what does Chef need for 2024? What where the where their developmental plan is and where they're at right now, and and just trying to to take one step closer um, every day, and that's that's really all we can do. When did your relationship with Andy kind of pivot from player coach to more peer to peer? I used him as a as a resource when I started getting into coaching. I had continued to to stay in contact with him. This was pre Twitter, so to get Andy McKay's content at that time, it was, uh, it was faxed over. Um, it was handed printouts, uh, you know, the good old days. So we had kept in contact and he helped me, you know, build my, my coaching playbook, uh, when I started coaching in, in 2013 and we just kind of kept in contact, kept in contact. I'd ask him a ton of questions. Um, and then, you know, Sure enough, a, an opportunity opened up. But even even now, like I still see Andy as as the uh, the Yoda, the uh, the the mentor, the 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 teacher, and I'm still the, the grasshopper. So I, we're still not. I don't think we're we're peers per se, in in my opinion. So if there's something, if there's one thing you could put your finger on that he did so well when you were playing for him and is still doing at a very high level as the farm director that you want to incorporate to, into your day-to-day abilities with your pitching staff, what would that be? Um, the ability to, to get to one pitch at a time, the ability to compete in the present moment with this one pitch is the most important and only important thing happening right now. That skill set to, to erase what happened in the past to not be looking into the future um, and to be as as committed to this pitch um, is is a lot easier said than done with the with the human brain. So uh, that's that's a skill that is that is being tested and and practiced daily. Uh, and the the best in this game are or any game are usually the best at that skill. Hey, there's not a single person in Seattle who knows what you look like because you have the lowest bill ball cap <laughs> and the highest riding mask in America. I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm impressed you're not in the mask right now to do this video interview right now. What, what has been the, Oh, here we go. Now we're, yeah, you get, you're, you're ready at all times. I see. Uh, what's been the most challenging part in doing your job at a high level every day with all the protocols that the Mariners are, are clearly uh, doing very well at obeying big, Big handshake guy. Uh, <laughs> Pete Woodworth, big handshake guy. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's on my baseball card. No, I, I remember, uh, uh, I think it was three or four years ago, actually, Andy, Andy McKay presented us with uh, um, Greg Popovich in the, in the Spurs, led the league for like five, six years in a row in touches, um, high fives. Like they just, they were all con- constantly – praising each other and, and touching each other. Um, and you know, that's when the, when the Spurs were really good. Uh, they still are, but um, that was at the height of, of their reign. 
And so that just kind of became a thing. And then I saw Mike Maddox taking mound visits and he always would come out there and put his hand on the guy, slow him down, make him feel comfortable. Um, so we just kind of got more and more touchy and hands on. Um, it's a hands-on approach. Pete. It's a hands-on approach there. I love that. And then it turned into the position players and, you know, we had every guy had our, we had our own handshake. Um, we got ready for the game. It kind of locked us in. It also had, you know, created some enjoyment and made it fun. Uh, and now it's just air fives and finger guns. And <laughs> it's tough. It's definitely wearing on me. I need the uh, hands-on approach, but um, everything else is, is, it's really not that big of a deal. Um, not having the starters in the dugout to, you know, to talk with or, to, you know, for them to provide some energy to just the dugouts a, a little emptier than it has been in the past, but uh, it's really, it hasn't been, been that much different. There's really nothing to, to complain about. There's not a single pitching coach that would be hired in today's game if they didn't have a firm grasp in advanced numbers and analytics of pitching, you clearly have that. Uh, how do you balance the data, the spreadsheets, the tables, what we see on a computer screen or on a tablet with the, this is a real life person. He has a heartbeat. He has emotions. And I can't tell him about these things right now. Cause it's not going to wash. How do you, how do you balance and marry those two things? Um, it's it's a little a trial and error, um, but it's it's more you, you have to know who that player is. Um, I think it'd be like the first day of high school, instead of testing the the students um, to see where they're at, you just threw them into AP physics and then got upset that they didn't know it. So you got to kind of feel out where their where their level of of uh, experiences it with with analytics or data or or visuals and then you just start building and, and teaching them from there without sitting in a classroom like you're just going through the curriculum um, because they they need to learn it as well you don't want to force it down their throats but um, it's it's only going to help them um, and then you kind of find out you know, Marco's more of, of a numbers guy where, where uh, you know, Chef really likes uh, visuals and Dunn needs to see video of himself doing this. So you just kind of find out what, what makes them tick and, and what resonates best with them. And then you go, you know, a little bit more 80% with that. And then you sprinkle on and, and just start educating and, and trying new things. But I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to have a a staff of, of a dozen people who, who really simplify the information for me. Um, I'm not going through spreadsheets and, and creating algorithms. So they simplify it for me, and then I try to simplify it for the players. So it's been a pretty good system, and uh, we, have, we have great people who are creating content that's really digestible and so far so good. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 